0: listener
1: production. Okay, so I've got up to do the first Navy change for the night. Um, Which, I mean, thankfully it's four hours in, which is pretty good. The good thing about being awake so much in the middle of the night is that um, it really gives you time to think. I was thinking... I wonder if there's any adults that still love to be swaddled, you know, calmed and soothed by being swaddled and patted. Because if there is a job market for that, I mean, I probably won't be saying much no to much work, but I would be really freaky the people who still love to be swaddled. Oh, yeah, the more I think about that, the more awful it would be. No, oh, I'm not patting and Scotland, an old man. That's messed up.
2: This
0: is Zero Waste Baby.
2: Zero Waste
0: Baby. I'm Veronica Milsom. I'm a comedian, a radio host and a mum who dared to dream. not of something that would make my parenting life easier. No, no, quite the opposite. You're probably thinking, Ron, that sounds like a nightmare, not a dream. And at some points, I would have agreed. My dream was to raise my baby while creating zero waste for at least the first three months of her life. So that means nothing disposable or unnecessarily environmentally unfriendly that would end up in landfill because of her. And it's meant that for three months, I've been using recycled and reusable stuff like baby wipes made from old flannel shirts, hand-me-down nursing pads, and most importantly, cloth nappies, which in those first few weeks were particularly leaky. I worked it out eventually and would definitely recommend using them. but man, in the beginning, all that washing I had to do made me slightly crazy. We're hanging out the washing We're hanging out the washing. We're hanging out the washing. We do it every day, sometimes twice a day. And while Zoe may have aged a few months, I look like I've aged about 40 years. But let's rewind back to the very beginning of this journey when I first met with War on Waste doco host and waste veteran Craig Rewcastle in a weird little bug-infested cafe so he could gee me up about my zero-waste mission. And it was great. It served its purpose. I got geed. would But I really should have written down some of his advice, not just saved it for the grand finale, because it turns out I really ignored a heap of it, like when he told me that going completely zero-waste as a parent was a sure road to failure and exhaustion. But he did say one thing in particular that stayed with me. Um, so what do you reckon is enemy number one for baby
3: landfill? (coughs) The baby. (laughs) If you can get rid of the baby, it will massively...
0: Ah, yes, the baby. It was a joke, I get that, but he made a good point. And it's a thought that more and more people are having, that to actually save the environment, we've got to reduce our population. And rather than just trying to lower our collective footprint, we should have less people making footprints. It's like the opposite of that Jesus on the beach story. You know, the one where Jesus was giving a piggyback to someone and made no footprint? Pretty sure that's how the story went. Mm, I never read the Bible. I just skimmed the headlines. Anyway, back to the point. Obviously, I don't regret having Zoe. Quite the opposite. She's the squishiest, smiliest, most amazing human I've ever met. And I would never discourage anyone else from having children. But it does make me personally wonder how many kids my husband Nick and I should have. Like, maybe two kids is enough. And I'm wondering if my parents ever had this thought when they were having us. I'm the youngest of three siblings and I was always told that I was unplanned, like fully embraced into the family eventually, obviously, but initially quite unwelcome. And I wonder why they wanted to stop at two kids. So I asked my dad, Big Mill, if it's true.
2: in the hell told you that? That's bullshit. We, we actually planned to have four children. Oh. You happen to be the third... Oh. And when we'd had the third, and we were about you were about a year old, we looked at each other one day and said, "We haven't got enough energy or love left to have another one. We need to stop."
0: I was sure that I was told I was a mistake.
2: Well, probably James told you that.
0: At this point, my brother James is holding the mic for Big Mill, and instead of defending himself, points the finger right back at my dad. <laughs>
2: Well, to be fair, you just told her that she sapped you of all of your love. (laughs) Yeah, that was after she'd been born. She was one of the three. No, it was the the three. I was having three children, trying to spread your love, spread your energy, et cetera, et cetera. It was really hard work and we figured that if we had a fourth child, it wasn't going to be a good thing because we just didn't have enough to go around.
1: OK, right. Uh,
0: so, so obviously in your consideration of having four kids, you didn't care about the environment?
2: No. Hmm. We, we're, we're, we're against the idea of zero population growth. We believe in population growth in this country at that time.
0: And what do you think now?
2: I couldn't give a rat's ass, really.
0: Oh, OK. And I guess that inability to give a rat's ass is where I started too. So I decided to try to get my dad up to speed about overpopulation by explaining the premise of a documentary I've seen called The Vasectomist. I was watching a documentary called The Vasectomist, right, which is about a guy who offers access of vasectomies to less fortunate people around the world. Um, it's basically in the hopes so that he can control the global population. Do you think that that sounds like a good idea, like a noble thing to do?
2: Oh, well, as long as all the people that come to see the vasectomist are volunteers.
0: Well, yes, sure, obviously, Dad. Otherwise, it would have been an unwatchable story of human rights abuses. This is actually a man doing something quite generous. And that generous man is a guy called Dr Doug Stein, a urologist who specialises in vasectomies. And he's done a hell of a lot of them. So how many do you reckon you've done overall? About 45,000. Holy, that is a lot of scrot he could probably do them with his eyes closed. I should ask him. No, that's too weird. No, go on, Ron. Who cares? Take charge of the interview, you coward. Ask him. Do you reckon you could literally do a vasectomy with your eyes closed? I I don't think. I've never had a volunteer. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a challenge. I mean, not to me. To a man, obviously. Anyway, the reason Dr. Doug's done so many is because he wants to save the world from overpopulation one vasectomy at a time.
4: I always looked upon that goal of preventing unintended pregnancies as an environmental effort because you can recycle everything you can get your hands on for the rest of your life. You can you know, recycle all the cans and bottles and papers that you can get your hands on, but you can't possibly recycle as much as another unintended human will consume. Or you can reduce your carbon footprint by changing to all LEDs or hanging your clothes out to dry or trading in your Suburban for a Prius but you can't possibly decrease your carbon footprint by a factor equivalent to the carbon footprint of another unintended human.
0: Dr. Doug does vasectomies all over the world, in the States, the Philippines, Haiti, even in Australia. A couple of years ago, he did them live in front of a huge crowd in Adelaide, which, you know, I assume was prearranged and not a weird way to busk. And the reason he does them all over the world is because he sees overpopulation as something that's really affecting our planet.
4: I felt that I wanted to do something that had a more global influence. In fact, I had watched enough David Attenborough shows um, that I was probably greatly influenced by that. And the message was always that we have this beautiful planet, but we're messing it up because there's too many of us and we're demanding too much of it.
0: Strange that he thinks that, considering there's rarely people in Attenborough documentaries. If anything, they always showed too many animals and animals that are always doing it. Like, if anything, it looks like they're overcopulating rather than we're overpopulating. But I do see Dr. Doug's point. The thing is, guaranteeing you won't have any kids anymore by having your tubes tied for me or getting a snip for Nick does feel kind of extreme for people in their mid to late 30s. Me mid, Nick very late. And I've never even considered it until now, and I'm imagining Nick hasn't either. But to be sure, When I ask him, I make sure we're in the same place I always ask him strange questions. In the car, on a freeway above 80 kilometres an hour, where he can't escape. Nick, have you ever thought about getting the snip?
3: 100%. Really? Yeah. Like, it's it's, as far as, like, long-term (laughs) sterilisation procedures, better.
0: Oh, I should mention, the kids are in the car too, which does make it weird that we're talking about hacking away at our genitals. But I'm sort of banking on the fact that they're not listening. In my experience, kids have a one-track mind. They're mostly thinking about whether they're hungry or thirsty.
3: What's what's that, darling? Oh, clean. You want a drink? Okay, uh, yeah. I don't want a drink. You don't want a drink? Okay. Can I finish telling? Was can I finish answering mum then? No. No. Okay. Sorry, I can't finish that sentence. Not loud.
0: Um. But can you actually though? Because I'm interested to know. Uh.
3: Yeah, because as far as procedures go, like, it's, it's far simpler, it's reversible. Yes, there's a chance that if you get it and they reverse it, you still can't have kids, you're still not fertile again, but it's just safer for the diet to do it. Rather than you taking the pill until menopause or have an implant on until menopause, just get a quick, you know... Daddy,
0: daddy's talking about getting the snip, hon. Huh? <laughs> He's talking about having no more of you. Oh, okay, that sounds harsh, but it's actually a compliment because, I mean, he's talking about having no more of you because you're enough, because you're awesome. Anyway, it does surprise me that getting snipped is something that's already occurred to Nick. But I do wonder if it's because he grew up with a dad who's a doctor, who earns a living doing exactly those procedures. Do you think that you've thought about it more because your dad is a... um Oh, man, I can't even think of what it's called. Oh, I was like, man gynecologist. Yes, urologist.
3: gynecologist. Uh, no, we've, we've, I've definitely never discussed it with him. Do
0: you, what if we did ask your, because your dad is, um, a urologist, would it be weird for us to ask him if he ever would do the SNP for you just because it would be
3: cheaper it's not just weird to ask it's weird that you would even think the question (laughs) could be asked like no i would never submit to that and also do you know that like most family members are prohibited from operating on their own families especially members of their media okay i'm gonna stop
0: you there you can't stop me asking him
3: you can't stop me don't ask it's not that's not that's not like saying my dad's an accountant let's get him to do my taxes (laughs) no it's 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 exactly like that Yeah. Sure.
0: Cut to the next night and our weekly catch-up with Nick's family. We're all sitting around the table politely eating a stir-fry and I'm contemplating how to segue every conversation into asking my father-in-law, Laurie, if he'd snip his son's balls for free. Turns out there is no easy way, so I just dive right in and ask, even though I knew it would annoy Nick. Okay, I'm moving on to the snip. Um, Would you ever do it to your son?
2: I personally wouldn't do it. No, I would not operate on anybody. I
0: Why wouldn't you do it to him? Because you do have your practicing certificate. Well, no, do
1: it. That's why. Well,
2: no, 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 no. The issue, the, re- the reason, the reason. That. I love
0: these dinners at Nick's parents' house because after a few wines, no topics ever off limits. Is it too personal to ask? Did you get a vasectomy?
2: No, it's not too personal. No, I didn't have one
0: so you're still very fertile?
2: Technic well not not no, because I've had prostate I've had prostate surgery, so I'm not particularly fertile. But theoretically I've got it's called retrograde ejaculation. Oh, thank you, Dolly. That's not right, It <laughs> <laughs> doesn't actually it goes back into uh, the bladder oh. Yeah, but it comes out the next time you speak. it doesn't rot your brain. Yeah, it's <laughs> not, you know, it's
0: not. Whoa, that is a lot of new information to take on over a veggie stir fry. But, you know, I can hardly complain given I bought it up. Plus, Laurie doesn't mind. He loves talking about vasectomies.
2: It's an excellent operation, excellent procedure for fertility control.
0: It sounds like you're a big um, fan of it. You should have had it. It's like a cook that doesn't eat his own food, you know?
2: Hmm. I'm not sure that analogy is the same, but... Um, <laughs> uh...
0: Um, Kind of, though. (laughs) Okay, so as much as Laurie's a lover of vasectomies, the bad news is that he won't give his son, my husband, a freebie. Even if it is for the good of the future of the environment. Damn selfish boomer. But all these vasectomy and overpopulation conversations have led Nick and I to decide not to have any more kids. And so... Nick has agreed he'll get the snip, and I've agreed that I'm fine with him paying someone who isn't a family member to do it. And that's what you call a good old-fashioned marital compromise. So my three-month mission is up, and the question is, did this podcast save the planet? Spoiler: No, it did not. But the good news is, along the way, I did save like 3,000 disposable wipes and around 550 disposable nappies from going into landfill, which is pretty damn impressive. And it's made Nick and I more environmentally aware when it comes to making choices around how we raise our kids. And I guess that was the real motivation for this zero-waste mission in the first place, to find small, sustainable changes we could make to our family life to protect our kids' future. And so would I recommend raising a completely zero-waste baby? Hell no! It was impossibly hard, exhausting, and riddled with choice that seemed zero-waste, but then just affected the planet in other detrimental ways. But I would recommend trying to raise a reduced waste baby. That way, you'll still be looking after the environment without driving yourself insane or, more importantly, having to taste your own placenta cooked and mashed up into a sausage roll. Never again. And so, it's time to share my learnings with the man who didn't believe I could raise a zero waste baby, the master of excess, my dad, Big Mill. So, Big Mill, you've been with me this whole journey. I know you've thought it's been kind of crazy, but I have drawn some conclusions from the whole experience, and that is that I don't think anyone should do full zero waste. Like, it makes you sleep-deprived. It makes you a wild human being. I, I, what I've concluded is that I think people should just do what they can, you know, reduce their waste where they can. What do you think of that?
2: Well, as Homer Simpson would say, do. Okay, I think
0: Homer Simpson says... Don't anyway. Go on.
2: Of course, that's the best you could expect. If you ask everybody to optimise and go 100%, it's never going to happen. Ask them to do their best. It'll happen. You dickwit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, dickwit is a bit much. He may joke, but it turns out he's actually started to change his wasteful ways too. Not because of me. It's because he's been picking up tips from his eco neighbour Rosie.
2: Rosie. Rosie's got this place she goes to to buy um, bulk. Goods. Mm. Go there to buy your muesli and fill up as big a container as you can carry. It's fantastic.
0: <laughs> well, like a bucket. Yeah. Yeah. And wow. So you can re- just walk re- around with buckets you're of
2: reusing muesli. Reusing the container. Yeah. Are you ready? Are you ready for this? We're you reusing the container. This week I took in a jar and came out with um, dishwashing liquid, and we'll reuse the jar. Uh, I'm onto this.
0: Well, technically, he's still just excessively buying literal bucket loads of stuff. But it's a step in the right direction, I guess. A baby step.
2: Zero Waste
0: Baby. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Zero Waste Baby. If you want to catch the whole thing from the start, all eight episodes are up and ready for you to listen to in all their glory. And please feel free to ask me any questions on my Instagram, at Veronica Milson. Thanks for listening. And while I still have you, if you liked it, please give it five stars and recommend it to a friend. If you didn't like it, don't say anything. Zero Waste Baby was written and presented by Veronica Milsom. Script consultation and original music by James Milsom, my brother. Editing assistance by Lindsay Green and audio production by Darcy Thompson. Jennifer Goggin was the executive producer. Also, she helped her write this. Also, she edited it. She did a lot of the things, and she's put a gun to my head just making me say this. Listener.